Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Hey girl, hey, what's up in Cali today? Oh my gosh, it's sweater weather. It's sweater weather, finally. Sweater weather, finally. finally. You've been roasting out there. Girl, like like a pig. It was, it's crazy. I'm like, finally, sweater weather. <laughs> We're in that place where you wake up and it's really cold and you think it's sweater weather and you put on a sweater and you go out and you get to lunch and you're like, I'm freaking dying here. <laughs> and all yes. the stores turn on just enough heat to like... I went to that one big box store again this weekend that I constantly gripe about that is not made for midlife women, even though they want our money, because I walked around. The the nape of my neck was just sweat, oh. just sweat. Oh. Ridiculous. Girl. Ridiculous. I got out. I got back by the refrigerated section then had a moment of reprieve. Well, so there was that. Well, let me tell you, I was so. I was roasting like a pig in um in my faja and my dress at a nightclub with the kids. So the faja, it was, the faja uh, in the nightclub. I, I'm still back on that. I spent my Saturday <laughs> night at Target and um, other stores and you're out at a nightclub. <laughs> what is wrong with this picture? So. This conversation kind of, it's a good thing we're having this conversation. It really ties into what we're going to talk about today, yeah. which is ADHD. And people, mm. before you click the button, ladies, <laughs> you little midlifers, you, you could have it. And it might be the source of some of your problems versus other things that you think are causing your problems. So mm-hmm. we have brought in Candon Phillips. She is a licensed professional counseling supervisor. She specializes in ADHD and she's really grown this little subset of the Instagram world with midlife women in ADHD. So that's kind of just become what she's kind of known for, even though she's licensed and experienced in all forms of ADHD. So welcome, Candon. Are you ready for Midlife Moxie? I think so. I think so. <laughs> Some people need therapy after Midlife Moxie, so they're good for you, right? <laughs> so tell us how you wound up in this subset of ADHD as far as therapy and counseling. Um. I've worked in some pretty intense environments, so like psychiatric hospitals and um, and then eventually into school mental health here in Greenville, South Carolina for many years, which means when you're working with kids and teenagers, you see it all. And ADHD was a big one in there. And I would have to say far too many years into my counseling career did I actually start learning what ADHD was mm-hmm. and realizing that as counselors, we were approaching it incorrectly. We weren't recognizing it correctly. Um, we were attributing it to other things and light bulbs started going off for myself because I knew I had ADHD, but like, I didn't know all these things about myself and I'm going, oh my gosh, this is that, and this is that, and this is that. Um, so in true fashion, I, I deep dove and researched and hyper-focused, if you will, and just started approaching my clients differently. And then I shifted into more of an adult field and it just kind of snowballed and took off, honestly. Wow. So you are ADHD yourself, and for our viewers now, know mm-hmm. of the years that the terms ADD, ADHD have had a shift. So will you mm-hmm. explain that so that we're using the correct terminology? Yes. Yes. 
So it used to be ADD was what we would now call ADHD in a tenant type. So that was kind of like, I'm not hyper, but I've got ADHD. And then ADHD was considered to be the hyperactive type. And so that's all gone away. Now you're either ADHD predominantly inattentive, which means you probably still have some hyperactivity going on, but the symptoms you're dealing with more are the inattentive type. And then you have ADHD predominantly hyperactive, which is just kind of the reverse. You probably still have some inattentive issues going on, but the big issues you're dealing with are that hyperactive piece. And then you can have ADHD combined where it's really like both sides of the fence are giving you just as much disruption in your life. So interesting. So there's no more, I just so I'm clear, there's no more ADD. It's either ADHD inter, interactive, is that what you said? And then inattentive. inattentive, sorry, inattentive, and then ADHD hyperactive. hyperactive. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or combined. Or combined. Okay. So there's there's yeah. no more ADD. Okay. There's not, not in our diagnostic book, but if you're looking on the internet and especially in other countries where they're still grappling with whether or not they think ADHD is real or not, you'll still see ADD. You'll still see those words floating around. But like, as far as a diagnostic standpoint, that doesn't exist. Wow. How, so you those know, terms. Yeah. yeah. We've come a long way because I remember my, my, my cousin, he is, uh, gosh, probably almost 30, but I remember when he was, Eight, they put him on AD. They thought he was ADD. Then he ended up being ADHD. So it was mm-hmm. just like, well, 15, 20 years ago, every different. male child under the age of 10 had a oh, diagnosis of ADD, uh, basically. Well, ex- I mean, exactly. if your child talked too much like mine, he got labeled ADD. And of course, there's those parents mm-hmm. that, you know, argued yeah. some of that. But and didn't think so, it should be diagnosed by a school teacher. Exactly. So there's well, that. I'd, but, like to, I'd like to know a little bit more about each of these, right? I mean, just well, like... Well, what, you know, why they made these changes, mm-hmm. what, what it looks like to get today. diagnosed with ADHD today versus back in the mm-hmm. day. So back in the day, I'm not really sure what the steps were that they took to get diagnosed. Um, I know that it was... Overly diagnosed typically in boys. And for a long time, it was thought to only be a, a boy diagnosis, mm. um, which is, you know, a kind of a foreshadowing as to why we have so many middle aged women all of a sudden realizing they have it. Because when we were that age in the 90s, the 80s, whatever, early 2000s, we weren't considered because we didn't present. Oh, let me be clear, Candon. I'm 55, almost 56. Back in my day, there were no right. diagnoses at all. There was shut your mouth, mm-hmm. do your schoolwork, or I'm going to beat your ass mm-hmm. when you get home. That right. is my diagnosis. <laughs> Stella and Red did not play. They were not accepting any reason for Gail couldn't right. shut her mouth at school. Right. It, it was went from nothing. Shut your right, mouth or get to, a pad leg. Here's this thing, but it's really yeah. only looked at like a hyperactive six-year-old boy. And unless you look like that hyper six-year-old boy, we're not listening to you. Get it together. And I can tell you as a mom, having that six-year-old boy in the 90s, um, basically a school referral and you walk into a pediatrician mm-hmm. office and tell them a few things yep. and a lot of doctors yep. would prescribe medication. Now, some would do full scope testing and those kind of things, but a lot of times it was, and people mm-hmm. knew which doctors 
I mean, you knew the which one in town yeah, was the that's ADD terrible. doctor. Yeah, the Ridlin, Ridlin guy. And he was collecting a lot of money just seeing kids once a month and mm-hmm. doing no testing. So back in the it, day, it kind it was of just was kind like a, of, hmm, people say he talks too I, much and can't I stay in his though, seat. is that it was like, just like six. this, um, let's just stick a label on it and mm-hmm. let's just keep it moving down the road. It wasn't, it wasn't. Well, Christina, for me, it was even worse. Let's medicate right. it so I can keep control of right. this classroom and keep kids in everybody mm-hmm. moving down this one mm-hmm. ditch and I can have control here. So I, I think I have, I may have some <laughs> too strong opinions okay. on Camden. You There's may have to strike me out here. About it. Just, uh-huh. Mama boy's yes. here. Yeah. Mama boy's yes. here. Um, no, I think strong opinions are, are fine and needed um, because there are areas where it's just been medicine thrown and there's been no education yes. on it. There's been no treatment. There's been no support. Um, again, which is part of why as a therapist, oh, I was saying completely incorrect things in the beginning. Don't worry. They're going to grow out of it. They won't need medicine. You're going to be fine. Whereas like newsflash, it can get worse when you get older. Oh, I mean, like that's just how bad the education really was around it. Um, and there was, when we weren't teaching them any coping mm-hmm. skills, either we right. were just we medicating. And you would say kids that couldn't even mm-hmm. hold their head up so off the desk. Yeah. Right. yeah, right. We weren't educated about side effects or the fact that different medicines would have different side effects or that the zoned out kid was not, that was a side effect. We shouldn't be having robot children. Yeah. Um, you know, all of those things. Whereas now I think we still have a long way to go. I think we still have more to learn. And I'm, I'm glad it's starting to become more of a thing that we talk about. Um, and you can, you know, you can seek out support and diagnosis through a therapist, through your, um, your school psychologist, through an actual psychiatrist. There are, um, MDs and nurse practitioners who've taken those extra levels to get mental health education. So like there's, there's more of an ability, at least in the U S now across the pond, I'm constantly hearing that it's years before they can find somebody to, Mm. to listen. Mm. I just want to say here, too, because we're going to get to the midlife women, don't fear, but I can tell you this from having a very good pediatrician. I had a pediatrician who really talked to my child and really studied my child, but he also ran the um, genetic mm-hmm. testing for medications to see how medications impacted him before he tried any medication, and he was willing to titrate up and down within the mm-hmm. medication type that was going to work best for my child. And that really said a lot to me because yeah. he just didn't stick him on Ritalin and send him out the door. Now, that's what a lot of doctors do, unfortunately, and you can like it or lump it. But if you're a pediatrician or if you as an adult or working with a doctor who's not willing to take these extra steps, yeah. then run. That's what I said. So, so, so tell us. Yeah, genetic testing is wonderful. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about each of these different groups. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah. What might that look yeah, like? So if, if you're you thinking were... of someone, um, so if we kind of start off with that inattentive type predominantly, um, you're going to see a lot more struggles with things like forgetfulness, um, tracking of time, being able to keep up with our tasks, being able to plan things. Um, uh, you know, we always kind of think about mom brain. It can look a lot like mom brain after you've had that baby fogginess. I just can't quite focus. A lot of times you think of this more as kind of like your zone out child and not your talking all the time child. We're kind of daydreaming. We're in our own world a little bit. 
Now, that doesn't mean that they don't have hyperactive tendencies, but what may be causing the most disruption for their ability to function may be those inattentive pieces. It's that she's so smart. She's got so much potential. She just doesn't fill in the blank, turn in her homework. Her backpack has got papers scratched all in there. She can't quite focus. The the attention's not there. She knows the information in class, but for the love of her, she can't study it and bring it back to the test. You know, intelligent, but just... not quite meeting the expectation that everyone expects. Well, Um, (laughs) I think you're diagnosing (laughs) me right now. (laughs) But if you think about it, (laughs) little Christina, Christina, they usually are the ones that are missed because they're not usually behavior issues. Yeah. They're the quiet child in the back. They're the daydreaming child in the back. They may be a little messy and they're making B's and C's. They're not, maybe not always making A's. Some of us do because anxiety can make us really perform. Mm. Um, but they're not usually a radar kid like your hyperactive one because they're a behavior issue in the classroom. Ding, ding, ding. Hey, go get your kid looked at. Um, so if you shift over to like your hyperactivity, that's when you're seeing the chatterbox, the social one, the one who um, physically may be a bit more active, has a hard time sitting, may have a hard time sleeping across the board, can be kind of everybody's issue sometimes for ADHD. Um impulsivity. We're making decisions without stopping and thinking. We're always almost kind of like trying to get our words back in our mouth. Um, okay. And often do well. I think Christina's laughing over there. I'm thinking that so many times once my words are outside my no. mouth, they know it's like, well, they won't be. I was for some reason. Told when I was it's younger, like, oh, she does all the work and then she gets up and she talks to everybody in the classroom. And I mean, like, can you just tell her to just sit down? I did the same thing. I was in the hall every day in first grade. I did all my work. But right. I did like, all my work. Me I was too. a student. I was too. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe we had I didn't think that was my problem. Both, I thought that I was their problem. <laughs> right. So then you can have combined. Christine, every time we have somebody new on the show, we find out some new disease we, we have. What is wrong with us? Okay. So... Wait, there's something wrong. Christina signs up for something new. So, Kim, did when we roll yes. forth to midlife, you've already acknowledged that there's probably a lot of females. Yeah, this who was interesting. Mm-hmm. Could have, mm-hmm. should have, might would have gotten diagnosed with ADD as children, but the focus seemed to be on the males and, like you said, the ones that were swinging from the mm-hmm. lights in school. Those are the ones because, face it, the school teacher. Nothing bad about you, but, you know, the ones that are going to stick mm-hmm. out are the ones that have behavior problems and they're going to get your attention. And those are kind of the ones mm-hmm. that have to be dealt with first. And so with that in mind, what does it look mm-hmm. like to have untreated mm-hmm. ADHD once you become an um, adult? So I'll be careful in how I answer here because it can look very different across the board. And that's often something that people struggle with. We think ADHD looks like this. But we are all, we're individuals. We come from different family backgrounds. We all have our own big, small traumas. Stressors are different. So it's going to look differently, even with that piece. Never mind the fact that it just lays differently in our brain. Um, I can speak towards, even with diagnosed ADHD, um, so diagnosed or undiagnosed, it's going to look the same depending on how you're treating it. Um, you can see, uh, um, we're going to speak to like moms and women because that's what we're doing here. Um, can't keep up with their kids' stuff, overwhelmed and maybe angry and frustrated at small things, 
always having to leave the house and come back for the forgetful things. Um, you know, that unfortunately very stereotypical. You walk somewhere, you go somewhere. What did I come in here for? Um, but really it can slide into something heavier that we don't talk about enough. The anxiety and the depression and the overstimulation that can come along with it can make this diagnosis really a beast. Um, you can feel like quite the failure as a mom because, you know, you, you love your children and you're doing everything you can and you're burning yourself out and you're overly worried about them and you're getting triggered by sounds, sensory issues, and you're snapping and you're not liking who you are as a mom for that. Um, things that feel a lot like what we think of as motherhood. So I want to make sure just because you're a mom and you deal with these things, it doesn't mean you have ADHD. Um, but it can look like everyday things, which is why I think sometimes we're so late to get diagnosed because when we weren't hit as kids and two, when we start talking about it and we think it's more than just the normal everyday forgetfulness, stress stuff, people are like, Oh, it's fine. You're going to get over that hump. When they get older, you're not going to feel that way. You won't be so tired. You won't have issues with sleep. You're going to start getting your brain back and you don't. And you're wondering what's wrong. Mm. Well, then you get middle-aged and get menopause and it goes downhill. So from what you're saying, like I've experienced all this, that overwhelmingness till you get angry, you start lashing out your husband, you're lashing out the kids, you may choke a teacher, you know, the mailman didn't put the mail in the right place, Mm -hmm. the forgetfulness, Um, because every mom I think has had that moment. Like I worked from home. When um, I homeschooled my last one, but I, he went to a co-op in high school and I had to pick him up at a certain time. And I would set an alarm on my oh, phone yeah. because I would not be paying yep. attention. It was time to pick up the child. And, you know, everyone's right. got oh, that you call. Think. Mom, right. you forget me. And then you think you've just, okay, that's it. They're ruined for life because mom, for not mom forgot to pick me up. They say right. mom forgot me. I didn't have my time. I did not forget that my child was at so school. <laughs> um, yes. I, I love right. you. You're good. I did not abandon you. Well, I just big, can't get big, my act together. The anxiety, anxiety depression, depression. depression. My ADHD. I'm going to hop in and help me too. Um, but your, your reference of that's like, okay. I, so I set the timer. So I can't tell you how many women have come into my chair and like, Clearly, they're there to see if they've got ADHD, but they want to keep telling me they don't. <laughs> so it's like, no, 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 no. I've got it together. So I've got four planners and I've got 15 alarms. And then my husband tells me to do this thing and there's stuff on the wall. I've got it. And I go. Hold on. <laughs> I'm going, I, yeah, in my house. <laughs> wait, wait. But wait. I have, but wait. I, have, I, have, I have this timer. I have a timer on my phone. I Oh my gosh. Okay. I am a mess. And you don't know how many times she still <laughs> says, Oh shit. Oh, we're supposed to be doing that on my all the all the time. And here I am all the time. with this morning my, I actually did this. This is how Gail rolls with this piece of paper book here. And Christina's always jamming right. stuff in so her phone again. like that looks very I wrote different. That down now, I'm not diagnosing either one of you, but I'm going to use yeah. all as examples because even I've got friends of mine. So some oh, go ahead. people with ADHD, they live in their phone. They've got the apps and they've got all the alarms and all the trinkets and that works. That's how they live. And then some people like me, uh-uh, print it out. I want it on paper. I'm writing it. I have to write it. And like, I want sticky notes. So the way the brain even interprets how I'm tracking things and what it registers to is different. Um, but for those people that come in my chair and they're like, no, 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 I've got all the 30 things. And I go, could you get to that appointment if you didn't have the 30 things? 
like, oh God, my life would be. Mm. Okay. So I want you to start thinking about the questions going to ask you if you didn't have 15 different things to support you so that your brain could work. Cause not everyone's brain has to do that. And then it's just like, what do you mean? Not everyone has 15,000 alarms and four okay. planners. But but here's the thing. Okay, I'm like, okay, if, the, if, right if, our, if our community could see my face, I mean, there's just light bulbs going off everywhere, right? Um, if they could see your face, you weren't Botox, listen, it would really be something. Listen, Linda, I'm going to need you to simmer down over here. It keeps the face tight and right. Um, there you go, Jenny from the hood. I have to tell you, I have a notebook with all of my to-dos, uh-huh. and then I jump from my phone i have sticky notes i have <laughs> i have i have stuff on my whiteboard I and love i'm a whiteboard. like oh, right love a girl it's, love it's a always there always there in a planner that you shut it it goes yeah. away out of sight okay and so but then i have a list for a list well now let's talk uh-huh. about this though so, these things are only as good as what the are you user saying, Gail? Is what what are you saying this. right now? Because I remember my ADHD child. I couldn't even get him. He couldn't find the planner. So that was a problem. And he didn't fill out the planner. Now, Christina, she she put stuff in these planners, but she didn't put it in there correctly. So she's an input problem, which results in an output problem. Because I'll just write it on my little, you know, barber salon planner 899 over here and I'm done and I can see it and she will put it in her half fancy tech thing and she puts p.m. instead of a.m. or oh, November instead of October an and I'm like, the wrong day throw that time. thing out mm-hmm. the door <laughs> so I really like that visual like and uh-huh. I'm very particular about the cheap planner it mm-hmm. has to be lined up in columns and because I like to see the week, I like to see mm-hmm. two o'clock all the way across. So we that still kind have of thing. our so, individual preferences, just like any other human would mechanism. ADHD. And that's the thing that I think people tend to forget. They think if we put this ADHD box on, then we all prefer something the exact same way. It's like, no, no, no. no. The human's still there that prefers things different ways. So, so let me ask this because, you know, some people are going to say, well, I do some of these things, but I still don't feel like I am ADHD. So and I'm I'm using yeah. air quotes right now. What would a normal brain oh. look like? I mean, and again, loosely air quotes. What would a normal brain look like without the the appearance of ADHD? Like in both in both perspectives. Yeah. Um, again, that's a very broad question. So I think oftentimes what you'll hear those of us that are clinical and we're like on social media and we're talking about it, it's always kind of the rebuttal because we, we always get the nasty people. That's like, everybody does that. Everyone's forgetful. Everyone right. has a hard right. time doing something they don't want to do. And it's like, yeah, sometimes you struggle with that. We're talking about this is an ever present existence for us 24 seven. We are constantly mm. battling our own brain and begging it to freaking show up and do what we need it to do. Because sometimes it can. It's there, we're on point, we're getting the dopamine we need, we have just the right balance of you know anxiety to kind of get us going, we're intrigued in what we're doing, and it's we're sharp, we're clear, we're focused. And sometimes yeah. the things don't play out like we need to, and I'm like, you know, kind of zoned out in the corner, just begging my brain to get up and do the laundry. Yes. That is okay. so different from just like, oh, I mean, today just doesn't feel like my day, but like, 
98% of the time I'm able to do what I need to do without it being a big mental issue or emotional issue. We haven't even touched the emotional part. Oh, Lord. Help us all. <laughs> well, let's talk about that anxiety piece mm-hmm. because I've heard you use that word several times in relation to this. And we've had um, some people on and we've talked about anxiety a good bit here because mm-hmm. it seems rampant in midlife. And I have my very, my own very serious anxiety story. Um, so anxiety is talked about a lot in hearing you say that in relation to this. Does ADHD <laughs> bring on anxiety because you're unable to control things or is it an integral part yeah. of that diagnosis? So Let's talk about that. Um, and that's a tricky piece. It's always, everything is going to come out of the mouth is going to okay. be, it's going to be both and. So it can be different. It can be that you've started to develop anxiety because of your ADHD and the same with depression. Um, because you're not able to function in your life and you've got anxiety about having to keep up with all these things and you can't do it. So you beat yourself up for it or you develop anxious, you know, an anxiety piece. Oh my gosh, what if I'm not going to be there on time? What if I forget my kid this time and we can get into that kind of pattern? Mm -hmm. Or you can have anxiety and ADHD where the anxiety is totally separate and it's not feeding off of that ADHD. Um, Oh, very much. Are they often I can't remember the percentage in my head. Again, ADHD. Um, mm. But generalized anxiety is a common co-occurring disorder for, um, for ADHD. And uh, now, now with this, wow. I, I just kind of, because I'm sorry, I don't mean to back up a little bit, but again, uh, maybe I do have ADHD. So here we go with the bounce. Um, does it look different for men versus women? I mean, I know we have this. Mm-hmm. You know, everything looks different because we're human, right? Right, it can. Have a, but does it look different for men versus women? Yeah, it can. Um, and I think what we're starting to realize, and if you talk to clinicians who've been doing this long enough, we're just kind of begging the, the DSM to start including the emotion regulation piece. It's not part of the, the criteria as much right now with diagnosing, but for women, we can see a lot more of that anxiety piece. We can see a lot more um, emotion dysregulation that presents as anxiety and depression. So that's a big piece of why we mm. tend to not get diagnosed until later is when we go in and talk about it. So um, I'm trying to describe, let's say, the fact that I've got 15 billion different unrelated thoughts happening in my head. And I'm telling you, you know, I've just got racing thoughts. My mind never stops. It never quits. And when you hear those words, a clinician will first hear anxiety. They're not even thinking about ADHD yet. You said racing thoughts, worried, that sort of stuff, and you look like a, a woman. You're just mm-hmm. anxious. Wait, mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. didn't bother to ask me about those thoughts. I'm, I'm not telling you that I have worry thoughts all the time. I'm telling you my brain won't shut up. There's a difference. So mm-hmm. like a clinician who knows how to kind of get in there and ask differently. Yes. And... It- I can explain this in a way that our listeners would understand. I can fall asleep at night thinking about something. And when I wake up to go to the restroom, I continue thinking about it. It's still going on in my brain. The exact same thing. Uh, It's like I'm thinking about it all night in my sleep. And I get Mm -hmm. almost hung up when I'm trying to go to sleep, especially when I notice it until I have resolution about something like it may be something about Mm -hmm. what I'm going to wear to an event the next day. And until I have that resolved, I will lay there and it's like, you know, 
I grew up with 45 records and record player. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's just stuck in that groove. What are you mm-hmm. going to wear? What are you going to wear? But you haven't resolved this. What are you going to wear? What are you going to wear, wear, wear? What are you going to wear, wear? Till you oh, and then my away, brain will bounce. What you're going to wear. And sometimes I have gotten up mm-hmm. out of the bed, went to the closet, right. and oh, resolved see, my it. My brain will so bounce. I I'll, I'll just start making a list like, okay, I got to do this, 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 and this. And then all of a sudden it goes to, oh, wait, but now I'm on a different path. I'm on a different rabbit trail. And I'm like, oh, wait, I wait, what was that last thought? I haven't finished that last thought. What was it? It's It gets really bad, like, mm-hmm. especially it's exhausting at night. and frustrating. Mm-hmm. And yes. it, it can get worse at night. Sleep issues with ADHD are incredibly common. Um, and for several reasons, um, I don't know if y'all want me to dive into all that, but it's not uncommon for you to lay there as you're trying to sleep and all of a sudden it's like your brain gets louder. Yes. Despite how tired you are, that brain continues to go. And that's what we don't realize. That's hyperactivity. That mm-hmm. ability, inability to turn it off. Like I said to myself, you know, I thought of a few outfit options and I said, okay, I got those figured out. Deal with this in the morning. <laughs> but yeah. my brain would not it can look stop. Different. I'm like, okay, it's not like you're going naked. We have some options and you, you've at least satisfied knowing that there is, yes. you've answered the question, is there something to wear? Yes. Okay, so let's go to sleep and get up in the morning and put mm-hmm. it on. But yeah, my brain would stop. And if I'm heavily involved in a project, um, like one of my style clients last week, I was going to do some shopping for her and... I laid in bed all night thinking about what I was going to get for her and which pieces and what she was going to look great in. And I just could not stop. That's so funny. I do the same thing with my clients. Mm -hmm. If I, if I have. No, 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 I'm not diagnosing either of you. So like it's normal to me. <laughs> okay, well, this is our new best friend, Camden. Now, with the three yeah. of us ever get to the same now place let me on ask time, you. probably not. Drew should get so mad at me. She thinks I'm always 10 minutes late. And I shocked her last week, oh, and I was yeah. only three now minutes late. Now, let me ask her stick it. Yes, know. okay, that's me. That's me. So what yeah. about Jerusha what it looks like work for that way. men? Because you said that for women, there's this emotional piece. Yeah. Who cares? The show's not about them. No, I'm just kidding. This is where Uh, Christina shifts into diagnosing her husband. Because we are pretty sure we are pretty sure that he he does have it. And um, you know, he he went and he looked years ago and um based on the knowledge that you had years ago versus the knowledge that you have today. It looks different. I mean, it looks totally different based on what what our conversation has been unfolding. Right, so, right. It can look it can look the same for men. So if we think about, I mean, they can have the emotional piece too. Um, how we interpret emotions when we look at men and women is is different too. So, yeah, you know, he's angry. He's just angry all the time. Now, I'm not saying every man that has ADHD is angry, but. When we tend to think about right. men and emotions, what do we tend to talk about? We tend to talk about anger. When we think about women Never. and emotions, what are we talking about? Crying and like whatever. Yeah, depressed or right, whatever. Yeah. Right. So like <laughs> stepping out of those boxes is the important piece and going, mm-hmm. that's not what I'm looking at here. Why are you angry? Angry sometimes comes from anxiety. Anxiety sometimes comes from what? 
Now, again, not every man that sits in my chair has anger, but we're talking about emotions and when we're stereotyping, that's what we tend to do. Um, but I think really it's less about, you know, how is it showing up? There's this whole other issue of something called masking. And masking is a word that usually if you're in the, the clinical field, we tend to think of like um, autism, but it, it's not just an autism thing. It can go across a few things, but Masking is basically realizing what's expected of me, what other people are doing, and how can I make sure I'm looking and acting like everyone else to get by. When that's a big thing that causes late diagnosis too, especially if you're, when I say intelligent, I mean. Well, and this has yeah, to just ramp up things. And the fatigue, because all of your energy and all your mental capacity to fit that you're in. already struggling to manage is going into something that's going to end up looking like perfectionism so that I don't ever make a mistake. I'm always performing the way I should be. I'm always presenting in the way that you expect me to present. And then if I shift over to this <laughs> other place, no, she's pointing at herself <laughs> or maybe she's pointing at you. Oh, I think like... she was pointing at me and I was pointing back at her, but that's also part she of she pointed me. what the battle can be is that she knows me for many years. And I, I was one of these people. I, realized I was great at masking and kind of gotten into this like perfectionistic thing where I know what you expect out of me and I'm going to meet that. But that's not really who I am. Who I am wants to really sit and curl up in this chair. Overachievers. I'm going to exceed it. I'm going to exceed it so mm-hmm. I'm good enough. Oh, oh yeah, Overachiever, especially mm-hmm. any kind of measurable. If it's a mm-hmm. measurable, I want because the highest mistake is marks. failure and we can't handle um, the failure. I mean, oh it's, my gosh, it's a deep well diagnosis and people don't, right. they don't realize that, but there's such a heaviness and such a um, consuming aspect to it that it's often misdiagnosed as what we would consider to be big things like bipolar or personality disorder or a severe mood mm. disorder because mm-hmm. it presents that way. But somehow we're missing the fact that like, it looks like all these things, but we're still trying to call it a little bitty diagnosis. How can it be little bitty, but look like these really big things? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I just. Well, let's take a break right there, Christina, right quick and recognize some of the people that make our show possible. We'll be right back and dive more into this middle-aged women thing. If you walked around on pool decks and in the sand all summer, wearing those cute little sandals and going barefoot, then your feet may look like mine and they may need a little love and care. In comes Sandbar Hand Care. This is a special foot file that will get rid of those calluses on those feet and leave them feeling smooth. So if you're crawling into bed at night and the heels of those feet are catching on the sheets, go order yours now. This metal file gently buffs away that dead skin. It removes just enough to really make a difference but not leave your feet sore. And it even comes with a salve to apply after you've gotten rid of that dead skin. I'm already thinking of who I'm getting this for Christmas. They sent us one to try and I fell in love immediately. And mine's even pink. How could you go wrong here? So ladies, head over to sandbarhandcare.com. That's sandbarhandcare.com. And use the code MOXIE15 and you'll get a discount on your order. And all those gifts that you pick up for the holidays. Now back to the show. 
Well, we're back with Midlife Moxie, and today we're talking with Candon Phillips. Candon is a specialist in the field of ADHD, and she's doing some amazing work around midlife women and this diagnosis and this whole idea that there were a lot of women who have this, but they went undiagnosed because if you had a male child in the 80s or 90s, he probably was diagnosed with ADD. But when you looked around the classroom, all the little girls were just fine. And so there were a lot of us who, if it had been on the table when I was a child, I know I would have gotten a diagnosis and a nice bunch of pills, but my mom probably wouldn't have given me the pills. She'd just told me to knock it off. <laughs> but so here we are, a bunch of undiagnosed midlife women now finding out we probably have ADHD which could be explaining some of our problems. So we were discussing masking, meeting expectations. Yeah. And I think any woman can can relate to meeting expectations, especially, you know, the housewife. And my generation was really, I feel like Gen Xers were the first generation that was really had that expectation of bringing home the bacon and frying it up in a pan mm-hmm. with no excuses. Mm-hmm. And so we've grown up with a lot of weight on our shoulders mm. to be it all, have it all, do it all. Do it all. And mm. so when we're talking about midlife women in particular and women, you know, a lot of the things you're talking about, like feeling overwhelmed, angry, forgetfulness, are things we're feeling related to menopause mm-hmm, or related to just mm-hmm. the season in life. Um, so how do we start to separate out the diagnoses? Mm. What really draws your eye to the fact that it could be ADHD? That's Not that we don't have these all existing yeah. at the same time, but, but that the ADHD is something that needs to be and can yeah. be treated. A good history is crucial in kind of weeding that out. Um, now, there are different opinions on how the best way to assess and get information. Um, I think on one way, especially when we're getting to adults, but adults can generally have a discussion. I can ask a question and they can give me information. Usually with a child, we may need to go to more of that testing stuff because they can't always describe what's going on internally. But with adults, usually a really good diagnostic session can happen through discussion and questions and assessments. But I'm always going back to as far back as you can remember having this issue, how young can you remember having it? Now, it may not have been as intense for you then. It may not have caused as much disruption, but can we can we look at these patterns happening even if they were less intense earlier in life? That tends to shine a different light versus they just showed up all of a sudden and I've never had an issue with anything like this remotely in my entire life. Um, well, let me ADHD this and ask you a quick question <laughs> about that. With the, with the females... Yeah. I think in in our females by birth and as young members of society, elementary school, are we more the pleaser types? Mm. Because it kind of seems like we are. And so we're we had more of a drive to be the good girl and make the good grades. That's what was expected. Yeah, I love that you, you brought that up. So That's I'm, actually part of part of it. There's um I've got more articles pinged on my desktop that just, I can think of. But that what it's yeah. talked about is that they're kind of referencing the late diagnosis and the masking behaviors and that as little girls and we enter school, we are intuitively picking up on the fact that we're supposed to be well-mannered, quiet, yes. smart, teacher's yep. helper, neat, clean, intelligent. That's, that expectation is put on us. Oh, my goodness. We, teacher's helper? Yeah. Did we not just kill ourselves to be the teacher's helper? Right. Mm-hmm. That was so like, we're aware of that expectation. When I was in preschool. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, I remember that. Uh, where I'm going with that is, it, it could it be said that females developed coping mechanisms more quickly mm-hmm. and more in-depthly than our male counterparts did, and that's how... Well, part of the reason we slid yeah. under the radar. Coping mechanisms, masking techniques, all of those things, whichever you call it, can be developed at a very young age because we're aware of what's expected of us. Um, and then if you fall outside of that box a little bit for a long time, well, she's just flighty, social butterfly. Oh, my gosh. Those, those were all the labels that people would say to me. She's a social butterfly and she's flighty. Mm-hmm. Instead of going, That's crazy. I wonder what else might be going on there, but because everything else we've kept together so well, yes. there's no question. Yes. Now that may look different. You may have kept it well at school. And then the minute you get into your safe home, emotions happen. And that's a big sign is a lot of times you'll hear that like kids are doing well at school. They have no problem basically because they're people pleasing their ass mm. off and they are like white knuckling it to get through the day to not be, we don't have any behavior problem. Please don't call my parent. I don't want to get in trouble. I need to have good grades and I don't need to make too much noise. And then we get home and we have to release it. And the parents are going, why do I have this at home and not at school? Because your, your kids white knuckling it through the day. We might want to figure out why. Mm. Mm. And you know, as children, like you were saying earlier, it's really hard for us to express as a child mm-hmm. what is going on internally. And that's a struggle. And then you get to adulthood, like midlife, and you you start to look at your life and you're like, something is deeply mm-hmm. wrong. What is it? Am I am I going through perimenopause? Is it well, my know, hormones? One thing that was is wrong it ADHD? For me, Christina, like, though, what's wrong? Yeah. I learned very early that performance equaled being mm-hmm. liked and being yes. accepted and being good enough, especially yes. for my parents. Yep. And in midlife, I just thought, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Why am I always trying to perform for people? Why do I always have to be good enough? Why can't I just be me well, and me right. be good enough? I think I think we have but to that untangle behavior the behavior was learned back in those well, days. Well, you lose track of who you are too. So, so Hello, sense of loneliness and depression. Who am I when I'm not trying to meet your expectation and then shift for your expectation and then shift for your expectation? And you said it earlier, Dale, too. And it's something I talk about a lot with clients is that generation that Gen X kind of started like women, you can be more than just a mom or just or whatever. mm -hmm. In fact, not just more than you can do all of it. You can be top of your career and the best mom and the best wife and still have a sex drive and still feel rested and do all the things. And then we get to this point and we're like, what? Who said we could do all of this? This is insane. (laughs) You know, it was so funny. My husband and I were in in the store on on Friday and he was watching a TikTok, good old TikTok. (laughs) And there was a TikTok that was actually talking about this. You know, women are expected. That That was the wording. Women are expected to be basically good in the bedroom cook the food, take care of the kids, bring home the money, pay half of the bills and still like keep it all together. And it was just like, I look, I looked at my husband and I said, she's not wrong. And he goes, what do you mean? I don't expect you. And I said, no, 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 but you do because, because you do. 
you know, and if I didn't. And they do because we have. Ex- I mean, it, we have. Exactly this, right. We've acted like we can do all that. Right. Uh, and right. Because it was expectation. When we're courting them, and a- <laughs> when we're courting, we want to make sure they know <laughs> we can do all this. And then we get married. Exactly. And we're like, well, well, and that's something. And, and I think. No, I think that's why we take on so much stuff, too, is because we've always been expected mm-hmm. to. And then we're like, okay, well, I can take that on right. as well. And then what happens if I all of a sudden don't? Oh, I'm a failure. Right. I'm a failure. Right. Uh, people don't want to be in my space. Right. You know, they, you know, it, it doesn't look good. Uh, you know, what, what other people think of me really starts to play. Right. And so in your head. there's another big piece of, of ADHD and it, it can show up in for different reasons. It can show up for people with trauma or different diagnoses. It is called rejection sensitivity dysphoria. And that literally translates to too much to bear. It's too much to handle. So the rejection dysphoria is that word too much to bear. And the strength of this with ADHD is often what can cause, again, another misdiagnosis. But it's this sense of any kind of not measuring up rejection and rejection can be anything literally breakups and friendships and those sort of things you don't like me but I didn't get a perfect score I didn't meet your expectation you're disappointed in me you have a you're angry with me like people aren't allowed to be upset with us any kind of form of rejection that you could possibly think of for a kid you know they're doing a math test and everyone else knows the answer mm. like you're still trying to figure out what that first question's even asking you because they're talking about melons for God's sake in a math problem you know so like all of these things. That's supposed to be there. <laughs> I know. Like, right. Who cares? Not, not get problem. But anyway, <laughs> so like any form of rejection can feel like a truck is hitting us in the chest. It's not just like, dang, they didn't like it or dang, I didn't get an A or dang, they're disappointed. It's like my self-worth as a human crack me open is now in question. So I'm going to avoid the hell out of that ever happening again. I'm going to be perfect. Never gonna make a mistake. I'm not gonna have a feeling. I'm not gonna let anyone get too close or get too much of me or whatever. Like we're constantly managing how do I avoid that feeling, which can look like retrieving and like hiding and never going for Mm -hmm. things that we want to go to because we might have to practice and fail. Learning means you have to admit you don't know something. Or it can look like lash out. I didn't make that mistake. That was your fault. You made me do that. You didn't help Mm -hmm. me. You didn't support me. You embarrassed me. That's not me. That's you. So when we got society, I would add in the The anxiety. anxiety. Here comes Mm. the anxiety Mm. and then Mm -hmm. withdrawal. Mm -hmm. Because if I cannot meet your expectations and it's caused me to be super anxious inside, part of my self-preservation would be just to withdraw from the situation. Yeah. Like if I cannot meet your whatever it is, like, and it, like say you had a friend who said you're you always this or like you're always late or you're always something because I'm not always late by the way. Jewish, <laughs> if you're I'm always you know, late. I'm late I have to my, I'll be late friends. to my funeral. <laughs> I have had situations where you just start if you feel you can't live up, you just don't do mm-hmm. it at all. You just withdraw. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you can't can be good enough, good things. I can, every time I do something like this, I have the in, the instinct to cancel it. What if I say something wrong? What if someone who knows better is going to come on and say that I said something incorrectly? Because, you know, word of mouth. It can hold us. We're not having those people on our show, Candace. <laughs> Only me. Only you. You are the ADHD <laughs> But it can girl. hold you back from success. 
I'm only going to do things that I know I'm good at. I'm not going to go for those things. So then if I'm taking the long route back to what we were talking about, these expectations are on us as women. We're like, bet. All right, I'll meet those expectations. Then you've got Mm -hmm. this like rejection sensitivity piece and you're going, wait, I can't do this anymore. How do I back out of this? You can't. They're going to hate you if you do. It doesn't matter. You're burnt out. Keep going. He's not going to love you anymore if you start showing who you really are that you can't do everything. So like, I have people constantly asking me, they're going, Candon, I've masked for 45 years or however long. How do I stop? I go, you're not going to like it. You got to start showing that you can't do it. I can't do this. It's too much. I can't. It's too much. Vulnerability. No. I'm an Enneagram 8. We cannot be vulnerable. Let me just pause here because one of the things that I will tell you is that shifting from a business um, this last year, I, I... left a business, I left a company to start my own company. And, um, you know, one of the things that I realized in that is just like, I couldn't do what they wanted me to do anymore. And I was like, I just, but it took me to the breaking. I mean, like I had to break and Gail watched this break, you know, um, it took losing my dad. It took, you know, really doing some intense therapy. It took recognizing where I was truly able to shine and have some joy in my life and get back the things that I felt like I was losing because that that particular job was so consuming and you know the the facade for that company was like oh you can do it part time it's not going to take up a lot of your time and the reality was no it consumed my life and I played the part because I was mm-hmm. good at it. And I'm, I could, I, well, I'm I still that's good at it. That's one of those things that happens to people you know? like us because yeah. we are so driven to perform. Right. Right. We can get in situations where it's yes. no longer healthy. That's what it was. That's exactly what it was. And it was like recognizing that I wanted more for my life to not always have to mm-hmm. perform at the, at the level that they wanted from me because it was taking well that you right, wanted yeah well, there's yeah. a difference you like, yeah i'm doing a lot of things and that's kept me in things that yeah. i didn't value though i didn't stop and go wait uh, do i value this is this part of what i'm wanting for my life because mm-hmm. i'm i'm not looking at what i want i'm too busy trying to reflect what you guys want and i'm good at it so then i stay yes. in it until the breaking point because you don't realize it until the burnout stuff happens and life is throwing shit at you and you're going wait a minute I, mm-hmm. I can't, I don't mm-hmm. actually value this. This is not actually good for me. I'm just good at it. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, a lot of people with ADHD are high intelligence oh, yeah. individuals. So we can be oh, good yeah. at a lot of things and we can cope a lot and we can overcome a lot. Almost to our mm-hmm. detriment. Because Okay, so so can we have a session? <laughs> <laughs> Can my husband have a session? I, I mean, y'all can, we'll we'll call you after. We're gonna we're gonna schedule every a single, session. Every single person we have on here, Christine is signing. I need a session. I need to buy that. I need to get that. Every I'm like, oh my god, comes on this podcast. He's like, crap. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, actually, he's really excited. He's like, I can't wait to listen to this. And I was like. Babe, it's really good. Well, I want to talk about the yeah. emotional regulation piece mm, because yeah. you brought that up mm-hmm. a couple of times. And I think 
if midlife is anything, it's emotional and it can be emotional in a lot of different ways. I think for a lot of us, there mm-hmm. is anger, there is frustration. Yeah. Some of us, there's sadness. I've, I've watched friends just in a puddle on the floor because their child left for college. And I'm like, woo, that's all she gone. And I'm, I'm bawling out of control. <laughs> I love them, but <laughs> praise me, you know? So, but I have had some of the frustration part, like, mm-hmm. where do I want my life to go? Is this where, I, is this all there is for me? Is this where I'm, how I'm going to spend the rest of my life? So let's talk about that and when, how it relates to ADHD and when we know it's out of hand or we need to do something. Um, I think anytime, whether you're, whatever you're looking at, whether it's ADHD or any other kind of struggle, how much is it impacting your, your life? Like what, what dysfunction is it causing? What extra barriers is it presenting to you? What's making what used to be something you could do easily and now it's harder. So that's always kind of the filter is like, how much is it impacting you? It's whether or not you feel like you need to go talk to someone or get help. Um, and the emotion regulation piece, it's, it's a pretty intense roller coaster that those with ADHD ride and those that love them end up riding with them. Um, and it's part of what often, like I've said, it gets it kind of misdiagnosed, but it can look like we're riding this mood disorder when we're having these really big feelings. And these big feelings can be, you know, anger, excitement, joy, or it can be depression, loneliness, you know, um, disappointment. And it, I'm, I'm trying to get my brain to pause for a second. I haven't given this spill in a minute because I've recorded it and people are using my recording now. Um. But it's it's not just that we're riding this roller coaster. It's that we literally feel our emotions more intensely than those without ADHD, which means that I can react to something mm. that you think is tiny, but my intensity of my emotion is high. So I'm going to use um, my go-to is driving. Me and Road Rage are best friends. So... Gail, you know, careful if you're around me on the road and it's the red light and the red light turns red and you're not already I'm, rolling. I'm, if if you're on Woodruff Road with me, I'm running. <laughs> What's your car tag now? <laughs> oh, Gail hates driving with me in the in, in the car when I'm on the phone. She's like, "Oh shit, what are you? What is wrong now?" It's, for me, it's like I'm impatient. Go, the light turned green. Why aren't you moving already? You are in front of me and you're only going five miles over the speed limit. I need you to go ten. You're not going fast enough. So that makes me want to cuss and do all the things in my car. I'm not hurting anybody, but my husband beside me is going Candid, it's traffic. Like, I mean, it's annoying. It's a little frustrating if we're looking at the scale, but you're like enraged out of nowhere. So outside looking in, if you were like in the car with me and I'm like, doing my thing, what else are you mad about? Because there's no way you're at this intensity for traffic. And I'm going, nah, dude, it is literally just the traffic. I'm great. Everything is great. But my intensity is what throws people off. And that can happen when we're looking at kids and our spouses and our friends. We're going, they just blew up out of nowhere. Or they just started crying out of nowhere or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever out of nowhere. Because you're looking around and you're seeing small things, small things, small things. That doesn't equate to this intensity of of an emotion. Where that person's going, no, that small thing, I do feel that intensity of the emotion. And so it's not necessarily that we're feeling the wrong feeling. I'm at a different intensity. Enraged and frustration, we're on the same line. I'm way up here. 
I've got to work on managing the intensity of my emotions and my reactions, not change my feeling. I can walk it back to an event. And that's oftentimes the difference. If we're thinking about like a mood disorder, we can usually have these ranges of emotions, but we can't usually touch back to something as to why it's happening. With an ADHD mood swing, there's usually pretty much always an event we can walk it to. It just doesn't make sense for you because our we're intense with our expression. So instead of being bummed out that this thing got canceled, I'm devastated. Or instead of just happy that I picked up my little boy from daycare, I've got tears of joy coming down my cheeks because I'm just so overwhelmed with the love I feel when he runs out to me. The dishes in the sink, I'm angry about instead of just frustrated about. Does that make sense? So... So intense emotions that we in midlife are blaming on hormones could, in fact, be something else. It could be this undiagnosed ADHD coming through. And you're saying anxiety that we may be feeling mm-hmm. can be related back to this. You know, this is so interesting because, you know, as midlife women, the first thing we want to mm-hmm. do is blame the hormones or the weight gain or, you know those teenagers and and they can bring out a lot of emotion and um, challenge our emotional regulation for sure. When, when should say you're a woman in midlife and you relate to all these things we're talking about and you've thought it was other things or you don't like a lot of, you just don't know what the hell is going Mm. on with me. I mean, I've had a lot of friends like that. They're like, I've just, I've just, and there's been times I thought, I've just lost my freaking mind. That's what it is. Yeah. I just finally went mm-hmm. off the cliff. I've gone crazy. It finally happened. Um, I was on the edge for a long time. It, we just feel this, like there's something. It, and is it often one diagnosis? Is it multiple? What should When should we be concerned and be tested for something or talk to someone about ADHD? And I also want to know. How does this all? I want. I also want to know about the treatments right. too. You know, like once you are what diagnosed. So, what? Yeah. yeah what are yeah. your options? I think if you're in that seat yeah. and you're going, "What's wrong with me?" It's time to go talk to somebody. If you're feeling like I'm broken, something's mm. wrong with me, because there's nothing wrong with anybody. Nobody's broken. Crap happens to us. We're trying to learn how to manage. That may mean you have a diagnosis. It may mean you don't. But like, if you're not feeling okay, go talk to somebody. Um, If you're in that stage where it should be some kind of hormonal thing, I always say for me, I'm throwing a dart at the wall because I've got like PCOS and ADHD and a few other things. It's like, why am I tired? I don't know. Let's throw a dart and see. Um, But if you're having those thoughts and those questions and you're not feeling like yourself and you're not feeling okay, go talk to somebody. Um, as far as treatment, you know, there's there's a lot of different things. There's obviously medication and you've got different types. You've got stimulant medication and non-stimulant. And that's a whole debate depending on who you talk to. Um, for those that can go ahead. Now, what, let, let me pause you there because, you know, stimulants, medications in general, you know, we're at least in California. We're I'm in California, so everybody's like this super yeah. like hippy dippy natural yeah. Harry Potter stuff. Like everybody's like, what kind of oil can I use? Which I'm yeah. I'm all about an oil. But you know, uh, I, I know for our household, I'll take a medication like a prescription medication for like I take one for my thyroid, but I don't like taking prescription yeah. medications. 
I just uh, no, I don't. Christina, I take, I Christina take vitamins. likes to take. I take vitamins. Non prescription thing she can I take find. Natural, natural mm-hmm. stuff. You know. Um, Do you know I, heroin is natural? <laughs> natural. You, you get that. I, I, you, you get listen, that. Listen, I've only done it a few people. times. It's fine. I got. I got. Oh my god! It. You have only done it a few times. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's something I do want to bring out because this was something interesting, a conversation I did have with my son's pediatrician. I was concerned that if we put him on medication, that he would learn medication and drugs are the way to cope. Yes. Yes. And what my pediatrician showed was that statistics say untreated ADHD more likely to lead to um, Mm -hmm. abuse Mm -hmm. of drugs and alcohol. Speak to that, Cam, because I know that's what people are thinking. You know, and again, the science behind this and the way I'm saying it, it's not going to sound like a a doctor, but we we don't regulate dopamine well. We don't regulate that very specific um, chemical in our body that helps us feel motivated. It helps us feel like we're capable. It helps us feel confident about ourselves. Dopamine is huge in our bodies and we don't regulate it well. And so when we're feeling low on dopamine, when our body's not managing it well, we're seeking it out and we want quick and dirty video games, sex, alcohol, candy, sugar. We want convenience and we want to hit fast. We're not going to go walk and run in the sunshine and eat a chicken for protein because that all gives you dopamine too. That's not happening. Um, we We want the fast stuff. And so Yes, you're more likely to get in a pattern of seeking those things out. And remember, it's a beast diagnosis. Depression and anxiety, that stuff is swimming there. I don't want to feel those feelings. I don't want to deal with those feelings. Let's go do this instead. Versus treating it, whether that's with a a prescribed medication or you've found some cocktail of supplements that work for you. Again, everyone's different. Where it helps regulate your brain and, and keep it balanced so you're not seeking out unhealthy things. As an immature child or a young adult whose brain's not fully developed or, you know, wasn't given the support they needed or don't have parents at home that are guiding them, whatever it is, um, you know, there's different reasons why we can fall into that path. But, yeah, we're, we're prone to seek out not healthy ways to manage that stuff if we're not already getting the support and education in the front end. Well, I'll tell you this. When I was, when I was out there using... I loved me some cocaine because it just totally regulated me. I was able to just function and and move. I, people know I'm in recovery, so it's fine. Like that's my story. Um, and back in the day, we had crank, and that same thing. I could just really like get focused and mm-hmm. be like ready to rock. But if I was if I was drinking, drinking, I was out of control just completely out of control. But those particular drugs really helped me to kind of focus in and keep the ball moving. But uh, clearly, they're bad for you. That's not the way that you cope and do things. And there were some underlying things going on as well. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like to go to the, to the drugs, you know, to the drug source. So are there other things? There are medicines, you know, in treatment. You've got the stimulant medicine and Again, the science behind it, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to speak to the science behind the medicine. That's not my hat. But right, some people can take that medicine and not experience the side effects. And it just works for them chemically in their bodies. Well, no issues. I've got 
friends and family who can do that for genetically me, I tend to struggle. I'm still kind of hopping to figure out the right cocktail for myself because it's just my makeup. Um, there are non-stimulant medicines that can help. Mm. And there are supplements out there that are good for us. I mean, there are known things like um, zinc is great for us. Magnesium, a lot of times we can be nutrient deficient. Um and magnesium helps us hold on to the nutrients that we're actually taking. I guess it's easy to Google and you'll, there'll just be a plethora of supplements that are good. And there are companies out there that are trying to make some where they're kind of all put together. And those are helpful because, you know, it's hard for me to remember to take 15 pills. If you put it in like one or two, great. Can I drink it? What, yes. what, what's the option here? Um, so <laughs> th- there are options out there. And then, of course, you pair that with therapy. Um there's CBT is a big approach because they're working on those thoughts. I like DBT a lot as well because we're working on that emotion regulation. Um, dialectical okay, behavior DBT therapy. Is. There are some therapists that are very highly trained in it. I'm not a highly trained DBT person. I, I knew skill sets of it. I, I don't claim to be a DBT like therapist. Um, but there are, are techniques that can help with that awareness and, um, how to regulate your emotions, being able to be mindful of what your body's doing, what your mind is doing in relation to the things outside of you. You know, a big one I like to do is kind of like an evidence check thing. I've got all this garbage in my brain and I'm thinking it's true and it's real. Okay, wait a minute. Where's my evidence outside of myself that this thought or belief or feeling is true? Now, how do I need to challenge that evidence? Like just because I'm crying doesn't mean I'm a worthless piece of garbage. Like my thoughts telling me, let me challenge it. Well, why am I crying? Well, I'm PMSing and I'm grieving and I'm, I didn't sleep well last night. That's probably why I'm crying. So like, mm-hmm. just because I'm crying, is not my evidence that I'm a piece of garbage human. You see what I'm saying? So that kind of stuff can be really strong yeah. because that kind of stuff is often what an ADHD is struggling with. It's not always just the fact that like, crap, I forgot something again. How am I viewing myself? How am I talking to myself because I'm struggling with these things? That's usually the scary stuff that no one's really wanting to talk about. Yeah. Well, and when you feel like you're constantly disappointing other people and failing in situations, that can lead to the depression and the feelings of worthlessness and not being good enough. I mean, it's 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 really complicated. And shame keeps us quiet embarrassment, guilt, usually we'll spit those things out because Mm. we're pretty confident that someone else has felt or experienced that. But once we start to get into that shame piece, that keeps us quiet and isolated because there's no way anyone else struggles with this. It's just me that's wrong or broken. And there's a lot Mm. of shame around it. Wow. Mm -hmm. So much there is. (laughs) Gosh, Candon. We so appreciate you coming here and enlightening us on something else because I feel like a lot of women in midlife, like, okay, they went on hormones. Okay, they did this and they're doing the things and they're still not getting the answer of why they're feeling so, you know, not at ease. And we had a brain expert on here. And if you look at what she talked about, that this is, she calls this the... um, Upgrade. Upgrade. That really our brains should start to slow down and work better Mm -hmm. after menopause because we're not in this hormonal storm all the time that we've gone through (laughs) about 500 times in our lifetime. That So if post-menopause, these things are not improving, especially, 
you know, you may start to ask yourself, is this something that's mm -hmm. not hormonal? Is this something that's not menopause related? Is this something that's not situational? Is there mm -hmm. something underlying that I was, you know, went through my life not being diagnosed with, especially if you see these patterns that we've talked about here today? Right. Now, we're not diagnosing anyone. We are just giving information. But, you know, <laughs> there's a lot to look ourselves. at here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we have Christina. Our <laughs> files here are getting thick, thick, and we're I running know, through that. I know. I feel like I'm ICD all numbers. up in all kinds of ways, girl. Like I'm like, no even more, if we no don't have it, Christina. <laughs> Christina has it. You know, even if she doesn't have it, she's worried she has it. So I, I think this is some great information, mm -hmm. especially when you've tried all the other things mm -hmm. and you haven't gotten the answers. We love providing answers to midlife women to figure out why you're feeling these ways and why life doesn't look like it should because we really think yeah. this should be a glorious time for yes. us as women we are done raising the children we're done bleeding we're done with all those things that were expected to us i almost feel like god intended it to right. be a restful period and a fun period um and and we love you know bringing on people that can help us make it so help us figure out like you said what is wrong with me i've heard people say that yeah. over and over so Gosh, Canon, we appreciate your wisdom and your willingness to open up and share part of your story yeah. and diagnose us with something else. And yeah, we hope you'll come back another time when you get new research in that you'll come back yes. and give us an update of what's going on in this field because our mental health issues are our yeah. most well, listened to episodes to. on this fun. show. Mm -hmm. So very interesting. Well, we would love to have you back anytime. And Christina, what do we always say? Until next time, go and get your moxie on. Bye. Bye now. Bye.